Welcome to Murder Most Foul, a podcast devoted to exploring famous murder cases of our time. Some solved, some unsolved, but all fascinating and guaranteed to raise the hairs on the back of your neck. I'm your host, Jim Solonowski. This episode, The Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast. There are not many murder sites that become thriving bed and breakfast establishments. An exception is the home where Lizzie Borden lived and her father and stepmother were hacked to death in 1892. The charming house on 2nd Street in Fall River, Massachusetts, has been converted into a cozy B&B where one might stay overnight or, if you are on the squeamish side, take a tour during daylight hours. Although I have not as yet stayed over, I have taken the tour. Twice. Recently, I sat down with two of the seasoned docents, not only to chew the fat about the crime, but to hear their personal stories of ghostly encounters they have experienced while on the job. So let's check in to the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast. Uh, my name is Danielle Cabral. I started working here almost eight years ago, actually a little over eight years ago now. I started working here by accident. I have kind of grew up in the area, so I've always known about the case, and I spent my 16th birthday here. And then when I could drive, I started bringing friends here for tours. And then I came here for an overnight over eight years ago, and I started talking to the owner. She asked me what I did for a living. I told her I've been cooking professionally for years, and she said, we need a cook. I thought she was joking, so I didn't know it was the owner. <laughs> and um, about two weeks later, I started cooking here, and then about two months after that, I started doing tours. So not only not only do you do tours, but you said you're, you're part of the staff. Yes. Uh, is it mostly that case, or is there sort of a, a mix of, of tour people and uh Staff. I mean, they do other things, uh, cleaning or you know. Most of the work. most of the tour guides here, we wear a lot of hats. Like Sue as well. Like we can all do almost everything that comes with the company. But just because we've been here for so many years, there are other people who just do tours. There are other people who just do housekeeping. But for the core group of us who have been here for, I would say at least over eight years, we can do everything. Okay, and Sue. Hi, I'm Sue Vickery. Uh, I've been a tour guide here for about as long as Danielle. I, grew, I was born and raised in Fall River, so I've always been fascinated with the Lizzie Borden story. Um, a friend of mine started working here a while back, and uh, I was like, oh, my God, I would kill for a job like that. She's like, well, we're actually looking for a tour guide. So I jumped in right away and been here since. So um, uh, how did the, the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast uh, come to be? Back in 2004, it was already a bed and breakfast since 1996. I believe it was Martha McGinn and Dan Evans that opened this place as a bed and breakfast originally. So they had a lot of the original foundation already going, which was great. We still have the original door frames and doors for the most part. The radiators are original, except for two. And the fireplaces that you see in the house are original as well. So you really can come back and touch what the Bordens touched, which is neat. And then what about the furniture? After the murders, the Bordens had put their furnishings into storage. Uh, the city had a couple of great fires back in the day. A lot of their belongings were lost to history. Everything you see in this house, though, is from the 1800s, early 1900s. 
uh, very similar to what the Bordens would have had. Um, just to point out, very, very beautiful furniture, very pure. I'm sitting here, though, with a cup of coffee. I'm terrified, <laughs> but this is not a Chippendale table. It's of that period, and you want to treat it with respect. But, oh, my God, I knocked over that chair. It's $6 million. <laughs> I don't have $6 million. Now, I like to call you guys um, docents, uh, highfalutin word, rather than tour guides, because you clearly do immerse yourself in the material. Um, so, you know, as you came here and developed uh, working, um, what what about um, the Lizzie Borden house and case has sort of, uh, you know, kept you interested? Well, I've, when I first started doing tours here, I was kind of nervous at first because people are literally paying us to speak, and they want to hear the story, and it, for me, it has to be done well. And I started getting questions that, as a new tour guide, I just couldn't answer. So I started to take it upon myself to do more research, ask senior tour guides. That's how I think we all get into going through the transcripts and, and reading things like Parallel Lives and just getting the history of Fall River. After that, I just fell in love with the research of it. And because of this play, something great came. I ended up going back to school for history. So now I'm actually applying to grad schools for a history degree. Well, good for you. Yeah, we got we got a we, we had a high five going on. Here. <laughs> come on, let's, let's get a fist bump. Come on, all right, all right. How about you, Sue? What's your what's your uh, affinity for the crime and the place? Well, you know, I was a kid in the city, like I said earlier, born and raised. Uh, I remember the Elizabeth Montgomery movie coming out as a kid. We would play in that cemetery, dare each other to touch her grave. Uh, we'd drive up 2nd Street, and I'd be like, oh, my God, Dad, that's Lizzie Borden's house. Uh, <laughs> my dad was actually a homicide detective in the city. He had access to the original uh, crime scene photographs. He made copies of them for me. Um, he had tons of books on the subject. So I've been studying the story all my life. And like Danielle, you know, a lot of things we do on our tours, we like to uh, fact check about it. Um, so we're constantly asking questions. Well, how do you know that to be a fact? You know, da, da, da. <laughs> we're always learning new things, even though we've been studying this for years. Yeah. Um, working here and doing whatever research or even prior, prior uh, uh, research, what would you say would be the one or two things that you didn't know? I mean, I can't say I knew the whole thing right away. Um, just little details, I guess, you know, like I knew the house had been robbed prior to the murders. I knew Lizzie was suspected of most likely doing it. Uh, but then you get into more details like the jewelry that was actually taken and, and belonging to Abby's, Abby's mother. That was all she had left of her. So now that makes that crime very personal because her other jewelry wasn't stolen. Just that particular jewelry, which I didn't know about. I just knew jewelry before I started working here. How about you? I think one of the most shocking factors for me when I started learning the tour is that there was a second autopsy done where the heads were removed and that they weren't buried with the bodies for years and now they still remain two and three feet above the bodies in separate boxes. I think shock factor for me, that's... What's some of the, the, the personal stories, not necessarily that yet their story of their experiences here, but their experiences of, of, of coming and going through it? The house. We really get people from all walks of life, which is, I mean, I don't know if I can speak for Sue, but I'm sure she'll agree, is that it's a really humbling experience. You get people who really do come from all over the world to see the house. And what I think is interesting is that you get, you know, high school kids coming to do projects and stuff. And I always laugh when I get high school kids because I was that high school kid doing a project on Lizzie Borden. Mm -hmm. So it's cool to see the younger generation coming in with notepads and pens and asking really intelligent questions. Like you can tell they've done some research on the case. And other people just come in because they want to see a house where two brutal murders happened. 
Okay, um, we've up to this point uh, avoided the elephant in the room. So, uh, ladies, do you think Lizzie Borden did it? Um, um, I really like to stay objective with it because, I mean, it is the historian in me. It's like I like to take all the facts, and I could tell seven different people the same exact story, and they're going to take from it seven different things on who done it. I still, of course, I have my own opinion, but it's still ever-changing based on new information that we find, research that we do. Because like Sue had mentioned earlier, we're still finding out so much stuff that we just didn't know, and it really starts to like tilt your original thought or, I guess, skew things. It's like, okay, well, I thought that this was truly factual, but come to find out, I can poke a little hole in this now based on something else. So mm-hmm. I don't like to tell my opinion, and I, I know Sue as well on tours. We keep it objective. Yes. If people want to know us Just what happens, yeah. Just the facts. Let them figure it out. I've had people come up to me in a barn after a tour and say, you never gave us your opinion, so what do you think? And it's like, well, because we try not to do that. Let's talk about, because again, of your wealth of knowledge, I just want to think, I'm, I'm, I'm racing and thinking of things that, that I need, my personally need clarity on. Because even after I read the books, okay, I can't, I've gone through a book with a, with a pencil and paper. How many axes? How many axes were presented over time? How many hatchets in the courtroom? Hatchets, or? right? They didn't bring the axe. There was, my understanding, there were two ha- axes maybe in the basement, and two hatchets, and then the one that was on the barn roof or something. I mean, is that all stuff that you have come across? The, I mean, the numbers. I don't know <laughs> for sure, like how many they took out of the house, but they went through quite a few that were in the basement. And I mean, that was common practice back then. They would have hatchets and axes, like we have hammers and screwdrivers. You it was know, right outside the wood room. Yeah. And of course, you're going to need a hatchet there. And as far as the one on the barn, I mean, they didn't discover that until 10 months after the murders at the beginning of Lizzie's trial. Right. Now, the, the, as, as one of the books call it, I think it's part, again, from the trial, the hoodoo hatchet. Um, for the longest time, certainly since the trial, um, it has been you know, accepted by most uh, historians or people writing about the case that this um, handleless hatchet, this ha- hatchet head that was brought into the case, was indeed the murder weapon. At least they went under that assumption based on its size and, and, you know, and the uh, wounds on the skulls. They did testing on a hair that was on the hatchet. And it turned out to be animal. Yeah, I know the, so what? the video you're talking about. So yeah. what? Yes, that What's, means nothing. That could have yeah. been picked up when it was stuck oh, into the box of it. Oh, this, yeah. yes. <laughs> Here we've got. All right, let's go through this. The, the, uh, ladies and gentlemen, just relax for a minute. We all know what we're talking about here. So <laughs> we'll, we'll bring you back in in a minute. All right. So look. Uh, so they find the, the, the hatchet. Yes. Okay. It's, it's covered in ash like the other ones are, but it's like been spread like Nutella. It's been spread all over the head, put back in the box, which God knows what's in. It's a farm. What was in that box? Now it's picked up. There's a hair on it. Well, first of all, if you accept the fact that she did it, she took the hatchet and she cleaned it, there's not going to be any hair on it. There could be a bit of blood somewhere, but a hair? Not going to be there. And then even there's a story of when they took it out, they put it in some burlap bag or something. Who knows what was in that bag? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, they did find the hatchet in the basement, and they said that they looked like they thought they might have seen blood on it, but it turned out to be a rust. And I think just the fact that, I mean... I got to kind of go with the doctor here when he said in court that there is no way that the wood could have been cleaned, seeing that it was a fresh break as like a quick washing. The blood would still remain in there. So I personally don't think the handleless hatchet was the murder weapon. 
only because of that, not because of the the rust on it or or the animal hair or whatever, but there still would have been some remnants of something on there. I wouldn't say, okay, I cleaned it as best I could. I said, okay, first of all, I don't know why I just didn't take it out in the backyard and bury it or throw it <laughs> over the fence, but that's all different. She didn't have time, whatever. So Nothing like burying the hatchet. Wow. <laughs> How long have you been waiting to use that one? What? Even if you don't think she did it, we have uh, things coming forward about well, it could be because of this, it could be because of that, it could be because of... Do you buy the epilepsy? Do you buy... The- I mean, I know Victoria Lincoln wrote about the epilepsy and all that. I personally do not buy into that, no. I don't know about Danielle, how about you? I, I don't buy into the epilepsy <laughs> thing either. Yeah. I mean, I do believe that time frame-wise, and I'm just speaking to that and not the fact that she could or could not have done it, Timeline with Mrs. Borden, I do feel it is possible for her to be able to commit the act, clean up, and get out of there. Right. But I, if she did it, I don't think it was because of some fit of epilepsy or, or PMS or anything like that. Me either, no. Okay. So because based, again, on things you've read or your own personal uh, uh, putting it in a crucible and mixing it up of the various motives. Some people want to say hatred. Some play uh, that it was um, greed. Well, I do think money was not the sole root of these murders. I think there was something else possibly going on under this roof that uh, brought about all that rage. And I really don't want to delve into that too much, but um, that's my theory anyway. Okay. (laughs) No, that's great. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with money and just like the goings-on. Families just had a hugely different dynamic back then. That's one of the most difficult things, I believe, talking about this case is we're in Oh, we're in 2020 now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thinking about it and just even how we talk is so different from how they did it back then. Certain things weren't talked about. So I think there was a lot going on behind closed doors that we don't know about to this day, but I think a lot of it was just money. I believe there was no will, at least not one found. Yeah, there was no will ever said to be found. I think if there was any motive for anyone to do it, it would be the money. You know, Mrs. Borden was going to get everything if Mr. Borden had passed away first. And he was older. He was older, of course. I think six years. Some of the books say that when uh, uh, John Moore showed up, that Lizzie was concerned that this was going to be another uh, transfer of deed of house to somebody. And and so they were getting more, she was getting more and more concerned uh, that something was going on. I'm just, I really, is there anything that points to why it was that day? To me personally, no. I mean, a lot of people don't know that Uncle John was here for about a year before the murders happened. He was staying in South Dartmouth with the Davies family. So he was back and forth and he was constantly in touch with Emma via telegram. So he wasn't like this estranged man who just happened to show up and things went awry, I don't think. No, he actually produces a letter saying Andrew had written to him and asked him when he was in the area to please stop in to discuss business. Mm -hmm. So he produces this letter, hands it off to, I believe, the prosecution, and the letter's never seen from again. Which I think was really (laughs) rude on their part because he even mentions in court, please be careful with this. It's the last correspondence I have with Mr. Borden. I've been doing a lot of talking and I want to get to the spooks. As I said (laughs) at the top of this tape that we are in the house. (laughs) We are in the house. And I know because I've read accounts that you both have, have mentioned things that you either you have experienced or guests who stay overnight. And again, let me, as a promotion for there, there's a website, the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast online and you can come uh, uh, for the um, 
as long as you like to stay, but you can stay overnight and have breakfast the next day. Um, it is thoroughly modern in the sense that it's been tricked out. This is, of course, code. It's tricked <laughs> out with bathrooms. Some of them are shared, but but it, it, they didn't have they did not have a loo, did they? Back then, the Bordens. Uh, they had a two-stall privy down the basement. In the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had no, uh, did they, and they have running water in the house or yes, just in the barn? Actually, they actually, yeah. They had running water. But then they had chamber pots, and they would bring down, unless they wanted to go all the way to the basement in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Again, when you get to Andrew's age, you know you're going to make a couple of stops in the middle of the night. So it was chamber pot and then uh, dealing with that. Um, so let's start with you, Danielle. What? Just a, a couple of stories, or maybe your your most vivid one from for yourself or from someone who stayed. So I'm definitely going to bring this up. I don't know if Sue's going to talk about it, but she'll have to pick another one. I took you first. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can talk about. It. We had this similar experience in the exact same day. Um, it was a couple of about a week ago now. I think it was. Yeah, if that. Yeah, I was doing one of the night tours, and I was just setting up for it. So Tim, the assistant manager, was in here helping me set up the dining room, and I had walked into the kitchen, and I just happened to turn around and look into the sitting room, and I saw a woman in white walk from the sitting room into the dining room. And I kind of blew it off at first because there were people in the house, and then I didn't hear him say anything, so I walked into the sitting room, and I said, Tim, did someone just walk in there with you? And he was like, no. I said, I swear I just saw a woman walk into the dining room. And he was like, no. I was like, okay, I think I'm losing my mind. (laughs) Then I come into work the next day, and she tells me her story. Yes, I was doing a daytime tour. I had about maybe eight people on a tour. And uh, you had mentioned the seventh step on the staircase earlier. Well, I was standing in the... Um, well, tell, before you go into it, tell us what the seventh step is. Uh, basically, um, that's where they first got a view of uh, Abby Borden's body lying in the guest bedroom on the other side of the bed. Uh, Bridget Sullivan goes up the staircase with... Uh, Mrs. Mr. Churchill. Churchill. <laughs> Adelaide. <laughs> yeah. Adelaide. And... Uh, Mrs. Churchill happens to see the whole thing by the seventh step. So I was doing a daytime tour, and usually we tell the people as you come up the stairs, don't forget when you get to about that point to take a look over. Well, I was already standing in the guest so from bedroom. So just a minute for people who can't visualize, from, from that point, sort of like almost a, a bending staircase. When Correct. you get to that point. You can see over the landing. You over the landing, which has a railing. Directly uh, into the guest bedroom. Under, the, you can see under Right the under bed, that bed, correct. And, and she, was on, she was between the bed and the dresser on the floor. Correct. So when you get to that point, it's not, and it was like, it was a high enough bed that to, even depending on the sun, I mean, when I went up there, it's not like, well, it's, it's such in shade, you won't know. It's backlit on the other side, the body. And yeah. As long as you turn your head in that direction, Pardon. you'd okay. be capable so. of seeing it. So I'm standing up in the room waiting for my guest to finish coming up the staircase. Now, the last one coming up the staircase was this guy from Germany. He was last in every room on the first floor, too. He's taking his GoPro pictures around the house. So I'm watching him come up the staircase last, and he walks through the threshold of the room, and I see this woman walk right past behind him. So I turned, and I just said, oh, you have to stay with the tour. Now nobody comes back. So I looked at the man, and I says, is there anyone else? Are you the last one? He says, no, just me. So I complete my whole tour. I don't say a word. Get down to the last room, the kitchen, and this woman speaks up after the tour ends, and she says, hey, I got talked to in my ear on the second floor. And then the man from Germany speaks up. He says, I saw something, too. I said, where did you see something? He said, when we got to the top of the front staircase, he said, something just walked right past me into Lizzie's room. I said, oh, my God, I saw the same thing. I happened to be looking right at you at the time. So 
No, Danielle and I saw the same no, thing. You, yeah. Now, when you say someone in white, was it uh, an impression? Or in other words, when you say white, was it a dress, uh, a blouse? Uh, or it just was so so quick, you didn't even know what the... Or was it period clothing? I mean, what it was it? It looked what? like a period dress to me. It was completely white from what I saw. And it looked like someone who was covered from neck to ankle. So for me, it's like a Victorian woman. Mm-hmm. And at first I started to catch it, and then I looked and I saw the rest of it come in. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. when you're kind of walking around, you catch something out of the, the corner, corner of your eye. Yeah. I caught it from the corner and then looked to see it come <laughs> in the dining room. Yeah. So that's what, uh, And she yeah. told me the next day, so we just started dying laughing. We're like, oh, my God, we saw the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, how about... <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Whatever. Oh, so this... Oh. The next day, I had come in to open up the house. So when there's no overnight guests, I call it opening the house. We come in. We open the curtains in the front door. We turn some lamps on. And I was in the front, and I'm opening up the door, and I sent her a video afterwards. And I come walking through the front, through the sitting room, into the kitchen. And I broke one of my nails, so I was looking at it in the kitchen. And then I just hear, like, the sound of falling, like something fell. And I'm like, what is that? So I turn around, and from the kitchen, you can see right down the house into the front hall, and the hat from one of the racks is four feet across the rack and on the floor. So I was like, okay, that's strange. Now, I know that one of our the tour guides, Rick, had seen the same thing as well, but he, I think, actually saw it lift off and move. Mm. So I sent a video to her, just you know, telling her what happened, and 18 seconds into the video, you can hear these footsteps come down the stairs, like, boom, boom, mm. but I didn't hear it with my own ears. So it was a very active morning, to mm. say the least. Mm. <laughs> Do you have one like that? Do I have experiences? Oh, yes. Uh, one time <laughs> I was sitting on the uh, bed in the master bedroom, and I'm scrolling through my cell phone. I was waiting for a uh, tour that was in the house at the time to come down the back staircase so I could finish doing some uh, housekeeping things yep. up in the attic. All of a sudden, this black mist came right across me on the bed. So I jumped up off the bed, and I threw open the door, almost knocked this poor lady down. I'm like, you know, excuse me, housekeeping. <laughs> and I run up to the attic. Well, when I get up to the attic... I put the towels down in the first two bedrooms. Um, I get up to turn around, and that black mist that I had just experienced downstairs is now upstairs. And it's swirling in the doorway of the room I'm standing in. Sort of like uh, uh, cold uh, steam mist, you mean? Uh, by no, black? I mean, not yeah. a solid black. I could actually see it was the weirdest thing. Um, individual black particles, like swirling in place. Yeah, it was almost like as if he broke something down into particles. And it was just swirling like a tornado in a doorway. And I'm looking right at it, and I'm like, oh, my God, do I run through this thing? What am I supposed to do? And as I was thinking about what to do, it moved out of that doorway and went to that last bedroom in the attic. Did you go into that one? I did not. <laughs> I'll admit, I did not. I dropped the towels. I ran all the way downstairs and said, forget that room. Yeah. <laughs> It's sort of like uh, the the, uh, the modern version of Ghostbusters here with all the, the weird ectoplasm all over. Um, let me also just mention a couple other things, too, for people, or you can tell us about, like you said, you had a night tour. There's also, like, uh, I, again, I think I saw online, there's nighttime, like, not seance, but you do other Oh, other we conduct things? periodically ghost hunts through the house. Ghost uh, hunts, the house yeah. itself runs us. A few of us tour guides will take turns uh, running ghost hunts. Um, we have a bunch of equipment. Basically, we just teach people how to use them who have never done that sort of thing before. We try and try our best to give them an experience in the house. You know, we have some pretty good equipment, so usually they leave having experienced something. Yeah. Now, again, I think it's what I read in one of the books. Did, did, did you say somewhere that, that uh, Andrew slaps you in the back of the head or what? No, I didn't get <laughs> slapped. <laughs> 
when uh when i first started working here robin is the one who trained me and before you do a night tour her thing was and i tried to keep this going but it didn't exactly work uh you have to spend the night in the house to try to get your own experiences and i had slept here twice already so i was like ah it's fine so it was just me and her and we had you know some food and we were doing some ghost hunting and stuff and i was in here just taking pictures and she was standing in the kitchen she's like hey you want to go smoke a cigarette i'm like yeah so I come around the corner from the dining room into the sitting room, and it felt like fingers touched the back of my neck, like, almost like someone was trying to get my attention. And I'm not going to lie, Sue's heard the story probably a hundred times. My knees hit my chin, and I ran out of the <laughs> side door going, Ugh! The, the old cartoon yeah. where your feet could go, but you don't, and then you hit the ground. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there was definitely smoke behind smoke me for behind. sure. Oh, yeah. I've been touched several times. Too. Been touched. I've had icy cold finger three separate occasions go down the front of my shirt in the John Morse room, which is the room where Abby was killed in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, again, I do have to mention I, I this is not on tape because it was while I was setting up, but I asked the uh, uh, Danielle and, and Sue whether the, there's a cat on premises, and I asked if the cat was around, and they said, well, no. It's not. While I was setting up in the that, now, I have a cat, so I know all of a sudden the touch on the back of your of your calf when they're loving you, when they're they're uh, brushing up against you. I felt the brushing up of a cat, and I just because I knew there was a cat, I thought the cat. I turned around because I step on my own cats, and I said, "Oh, I don't want to step." Nothing here. Looked under the table. There is no cat. I asked them. They said there is no cat right now. And I still stayed and did this, okay? So, <laughs> yeah, we've had guests say they've gone to bed and felt like a cat jumped on the bed and walked across them. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything about the case? Anything about your experiences? Obviously, you are going to continue to do this. You both like this? Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Love it. Dream job. Mm -hmm. There you go. Um, so, you would all, like you said, you would certainly recommend it for uh, people who are into anything, into history into uh, uh, mysteries, into being a sleuth, being a ghost hunter. Um, it's a beautiful, like I said, I have been through it. I've sat on the beds. It's a really nice uh, 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 bed and breakfast. And uh, I don't know anything about the food. I haven't tested the food, but I understand. Awesome. A modern awesome. kitchen, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that's not, you know, it's not going to be what now. Yeah, it's not going to be mutton soup. We don't serve mutton, no. No, mutton soup, which is what uh, the whole family but had. we do give a very similar breakfast to the board. Of yeah. Four, four, four day old or three day old mutton soup that every, had everyone yorking all over the place. Uh, you know, we don't leave you here with a touch of the summer illness. That's for yes, sure. Yes, the summer illness, which, you know, everyone, everyone who, because, you know, again, it's it, to put ourselves back they're both which is the hard part we we are now looking at this at 20 with 2020 eyes as you had mentioned earlier from a legal standpoint from everything f familiar the, the family dynamics not that there was anything that can't be found elsewhere but the um not i don't want to say primitiveness but the the that it was uh, a different time a slower time a small uh, it was a bustling city, but a smaller town. You didn't have cars. People had to get around by trains, trolleys, and, and buggies. And uh, like I said, the police were off somewhere else. So we can slight the police. You know, we all know law and order. Boom, boom. And we, we know how things should be done, but they may have mishandled. They may have traipsed through. They left the bodies alone for a while. They didn't. Now you'd have a guard the minute, you know, no one would come in the room. with. And, they, you know, it was just, and you'd think, well, it's not like this happened every day. Right. But still, their their experience with it, maybe because it doesn't happen in New York City, they know how to do this, but they didn't know. And well, so they knew to take photographs, which was never done. Which was never done. And again, one of the that the the uh, it was the first time photograph 
crime scene photographs were used in a trial. Well, knowledge it is, yes. And that also the trial, and I think it has to do with because we're on the East Coast, that it got national attention. I'm sure they're the world virtual. Yeah. At least By, it starts with once it gets to New York and, yeah. and Boston. By October, November of 1892, newspapers were covering this in Australia, New Zealand, and Wales. Right. We were, I believe, the second case in history to go worldwide. Next to Jack the Ripper, of course. As you say, to walk through the house, to touch things, that whether they're the real, you know, like we said before, you can touch the woodwork, mm -hmm. touch the doors. They are not recreations. To be able to lie down on a replica of the sofa upon which Andrew Borden was hacked to death, I mean, that's worth the price of admission alone. I think it's probably the most famous couch in the United States. <laughs> I'd say, yeah. <laughs> now, was there a story, too, um, that that Emma, there was a story that Emma took the couch? Or is that uh, well, uh, um, uh, is that uh, legend? The couch was taken to New Bedford as evidence during the trial. Right. Trial's over with. Emma has it reupholstered. Frugal like the father. Now, no one knows what really became of the couch after that, whether or not it was put into storage. Um, so for all we know, it could still be floating around. Somewhere. But like you said, the furniture and storage and whatnot, they, things weren't destroyed. The, like Lizzie and Emma didn't say, I can't handle this. Let's, you know, have an estate sale and get rid of everything. Isn't that amazing? I mean, your dad is brutally murdered on this couch. And, and they're like, oh, we'll put it into storage. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Let's just reupholster it. Nobody will notice. When I get a new apartment, I may, I may want that for the guests. It's like, Mind you, you've got few thought. Your sister just committed brutal murder. Could you then go live with her after that? How do you close your eyes at night? And what for if, what if she got years? mad at you? What if she wanted your share of the money? So that's a tough call whether or not Emma was in on it or convinced of Lizzie's innocence. Well, I mean, I don't think I could do that. No, I definitely couldn't. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, to live with someone for 12 years after that, knowing that she had committed the murders, right. and I don't think she would have stayed with her if she either, one, had nothing to do with it, or two, didn't think she did it. Cause so you, you feel that out, there, there could be, there, there, there should be, or maybe a, a, a connection, either a cover-up or something. In other words, she didn't, in the sense that she did not know. I don't think she was fearful of her sister to be able right. to live with her for that long. I think just something happened between the two girls and Emma left. But even yeah, afterwards... I don't think that had anything to do with it. No, she still proclaimed her sister's innocent. I mean, you really got to come for a tour because you could, like you even said yourself, you came for two tours, you learned information, information both times from a different aspects. Come many times. Yeah. And there is a lovely gift shop. Mm -hmm. with more than just tchotchkes. And then I would recommend, if you come all the way down here, especially if you're not from the area, go to the Historical Society. 100%. Yes. Take their tour, run by uh, Michael Martins and Dennis. Bennett. They are the curators, and they are fantastic. Michael, I, I know Michael from a 1,000 years ago, because when <laughs> I did the play in 91, and he was like you know 18, <laughs> and I got permission to use photos for the program and, and, and around the theater. And so I met him. I don't think he remembers me, obviously, but I met him. And then when I saw this video, I went, oh, boy, we have all aged, haven't we? <laughs> but he's still there. And it's you can. I'm sure he gets tired of the Lizzie Borden. You guys don't. He loves Fall River, and there's a lot more at the Historic Society and and in Fall River that's not Lizzie Borden. And that'll get you here. But it's fun to 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 experience what 
Fall River, one of the new, one of the, the earliest, you know, uh, uh, industrial towns uh, of the East Coast, up the Northeast. And um, so he will he will do that as well. But he's he'll be ready to go Lizzie Borden toe to toe with you. If Absolutely. You, if you want. Oh yeah, and they yeah. have great artifacts there. They do. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. He's got the again. We talk about the hoodoo hatchet earlier. Whether it's the real hatchet or not, the actual that piece is in their collection. Mm-hmm. So you can actually, if you don't, you can believe it or not, that it's the murder weapon. It is not a replica. Right. Thank you, ladies. This Thank has you. been a joy. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. <laughs> well, there you have it. A little podcast tour of the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast. You probably won't find it in Fromer's Guide to Bed and Breakfasts, but come on down. As Sue and Danielle said, you will really enjoy the experience. But I must warn you, if you do come down and stay overnight, remember, you can check out any time you want. But you can never leave.